Yeah, we're starting this new series called U-Turn, Finding God's Grace. Um, had a couple people swipe these U-Turn signs off of 104 for me. <laughs> Teasing, we bought them. Um, I, I, I really believe that when we understand God's grace, it, it transforms our lives from one way of thinking to another. And, and how many of us know, if, if you've been um, following Christ for any amount of time, that he's the one through his word that transforms our mind from the patterns of this world, the way we used to think. And really, that's, that's really what repentance is. It's not just simply feeling sorry. It's, it's a change of mind. It's, I used to think this way, but now I think this way. And I believe when God's grace transforms us, it changes the way we think. It changes the way we act. It changes the way we treat other people. And, and let me just say this. I, I think we can understand God's grace. We sing about God's grace. The problem is, how do I live it out? The problem is, what do I do when someone comes against me that doesn't deserve grace? What happens when someone offends me? What happens when someone mistreats me? How do I act in that situation? How, how does grace transform the way I think and act in that situation? I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's where we struggle. I can remember um, years ago when I, I was a children's pastor for many years, uh, many, many years ago when I was much, much younger, and you could deal with that. Pray for Pastor Brandon, all our children's church workers. I'm so thankful for all of them. <laughs> it's not an easy job. I remember uh, I was uh, leading our children, and we had two services at the church I was at in South Carolina, like this church. And uh, I would do the early service, and I had a guy, a children's leader, that would do the later service. His name was Joey. And for some reason, that we were teaching on grace on that Sunday, and for some reason, the kids were just just terrible. They weren't listening. They were rowdy. It was close to Christmas. I think they were just excited. So normally at the end of children's church, I would just let everybody get a piece of candy. You guys did great. You listened, get a piece of candy. So this, this Sunday I was going to teach them a lesson. And so I said, nobody's getting candy. Kids were crying. It wasn't a good scene. You know, they're walking out. I said, listen, if you're better next week, you can do it. But you know, you, you, you don't get the reward. You weren't listening, you know. Uh, so nobody gets any candy and they all walked out and, you know, kids are crying. So um, after the second service, I asked Joey, I said, Joey, how are your kids? Because man, the first service, they were just, you know, I didn't give them any candy this week. We're talking about grace. And Joey goes, yeah, I know the kids were the same way. I don't know what it was, but close to Christmas, they were just not good. Good. And so I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't even give him any candy. Because you know what I did? I, this is what I did, though. Because we were teaching on grace and the kids were bad, at the end of the service, I just tried to explain grace and what it was. And I, and I, I told the kids, listen, um, how many of you, he just asked him the question, he goes, how many of you think after today and how everything went through the last, how many of you think you deserve a piece of candy by the way you guys acted? And most kids says, nah, we, we don't deserve it. You know, Mr. Joey, you're right. We, we didn't act very good. And so he goes, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you all a piece of candy anyways to show you God's grace and how we don't deserve his grace, but I'm going to give you all a piece of candy. Now, he told me that, and I'm like, <laughs> thanks, Joey. Just made me look like the worst guy in the world. Uh, why didn't I think of that? So, like, his kids, like, they never forgot that lesson. For some reason, years later, kids were still talking about that. Well, my kids are in therapy to this day, but... <laughs> They, 
they got this and he taught me this lesson on grace. And, and really, when we, we, we think about God's grace, it really is, isn't it about getting something we don't deserve? It really is. When we really think about God's grace, it really is getting something we, we, we don't deserve. And I, and I want us to stop and reflect over these next several weeks on really what grace is all about. And really, let me throw out this first statement to you because it's so important. Because this is what makes Christianity unique. What makes Christianity unique from all other belief systems is the Bible's teaching about grace. We've got to understand what this means. Uh, John 1.14 says this. And John explains to us how Jesus became flesh. This word became flesh and actually dwelt among us. God uh, set up his, the word there dwelt among us, literally means God set up his tent right among us to live uh, amongst us. It's a reflection there of the Old Testament when God set up the tent of tabernacles and, and literally his presence dwelt within the tribes of Israel as they were camped out around them. When the, when the smoke would come, they would see the Shekinah glory of God. God's presence is here. And so what John is saying, listen, God comes down and he actually dwells among us in the form of man. This is the, this is the dwelling of God actually with us that we could see his glory amongst us in his one and only son, Jesus Christ, the incarnation of Jesus. And so what, what John says here, he says, and the word became flesh and actually dwelt among us. His tent was among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father. And this is how he describes Christ full of what grace and truth, grace and truth. The description of Jesus is one being fully of grace and truth. So we can't understand grace until we understand the characteristics of Jesus and why he came and what did he show us. And so we understand that that if we're going to understand the concept of grace, we need to understand that, that grace cannot be established without truth. So we understand from John's description that Jesus came both full of grace and truth. This is who Jesus is. So we need both grace, amen, right? And we need the truth, but we can't have a little bit of both. We need both. I like what Randy Elkhorn says here. He says, birds need two wings to fly. Everybody say, duh, right? Duh, then we know that. Um, With only one wing, they're grounded. The gospel flies with the wings of grace and truth, not one, but both. So if we're going to establish this whole series on understanding grace, we've got to understand grace and truth and the character of Jesus. So we need to have a clear understanding of God's grace and a clear understanding of God's truth, which God reveals to us through his son, Jesus. So a correct understanding of Jesus is one who understands both grace and truth. So the question I want to pose to you this morning is, what is the biblical understanding of grace? Okay, that's the question. What is this biblical understanding of grace? Because if we're going to understand this, we've got to understand that grace is an essential part of God's being. So let me give you just a definition here of grace defined. So grace defined is, is it's God. Grace is God's unmerited favor, God's benevolence on the undeserving. So, so grace is this, is this unmerited favor and it's God's benevolence 
on the undeserving. So grace basically is getting what we don't deserve. Um, I, I like I like what um, John Stott says here. He says grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. I, li- I like that. Uh, Jerry Bridges does a good job here too defining grace. He says grace is God reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against Him. Good, good, good definition. So we can't understand or we can never understand the full extent of God's grace until we get a clear picture of ourselves. So if we're going to understand God's grace, let's get a clear picture of us first, because we understand Jesus comes full of grace and truth. And there's a reason why Jesus came. Jesus just didn't come to make me a better me. Jesus just didn't come to give us a bunch of cute sayings. Um, That's not why he came. He, he, He came for a reason. There's a purpose for Jesus coming full of grace and truth. And we need both of those to transform our life. So this is what I want us to kind of unpack here um, this morning. John 8, 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will what? See, Jesus understood this. He understood that there has to be truth that's going to set us free. It's not just great. We all want the grace, don't we? We, we, we are much more, uh, the proclivity of our heart is, is much more receiving of God's grace or grace from others when we do something wrong. And for some reason, the default of our heart is never to give the grace that we should give other people. Can I just get one person, give me an amen there just so, right? Because that's true, isn't it? We, we want the grace, but then when something happens to us, we become really stingy with the grace that we want to give. So there's something wrong with us. So Jesus came to deal with us and that's the truth. So what did Jesus mean by that? Because if, if we, if we understand our world correctly, we live in a world where truth can be very relative. And what do I mean by that? Well, what's true for you may not be true for me. Ask someone if they believe in absolute truth and most will say no. There is no absolute truth. So we, we want to define what truth is and we want to be relative with it in the way we think we should think. So if we think something's true and then another person, well, how can you say that's true? Because I don't believe that it's true. So whatever's relative, if you think it's true, then it's true. All right, that's good. And if you think it's true, then that's good. If it's wrong, okay, well, I'll accept that, right? It's kind of the world we live in. We base a lot of truth on how we feel or what culture dictates. But don't, but don't place your trust or don't place your moral demands on me because, because mine may be different from yours. What is truth to one person may not be true to another. And so Jesus had to come full of grace and truth. He had to establish what truth is so we understand how far we've fallen from God's perfection. What's interesting to me is some people who deny or don't want any moral de- demands placed on them for the sake of relativism are the same people who become morally outraged when they feel their standards have been violated. It's interesting to me how relativism gets put on the side when I feel violated. These same people will cry, there is no absolute truth. But when someone robs them, you took my pocketbook, you took my wallet, you stole from me then everything they learn from their philosophy professor about relativism gets thrown out the window. See, 
Jesus comes right out and says, his truth will set you free. And he's not just speaking some kind of truth. Actually, he was the truth. He lived it in his life. He was that truth. He was perfect in every way. And so in him, there was no lie. And so what Jesus does is he authenticates his life by the way he lived his life. So what Jesus does is he tells his listeners, if you follow me in my teachings, um, you will be set free. So the question is, what are you going to be set free? Free from what? So Jesus answers those questions in the next verse. Look, look at John 8, 34 and 36. It says, Jesus replied, I tell you what? I'm going to tell you this absolute truth. Coming from the mouth of God, Jesus says, this is absolute truth. Let me tell you the truth. Anyone who sins is a slave of what? Sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So ultimately, the thing that holds us back from being free and completely embracing truth is ourselves. And we cannot become free in our own strength. And so Jesus comes for sinners. Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the lost. I need the truth in my life. I followed a lie long enough. And it led me down a road of destruction. It it, it led me down a road and a path uh, that didn't get me very far. I put my trust in things that didn't delivered. I trusted my life to things that made promises and claims that didn't hold truth. Come on, people. Amen. Amen. We're, we're all there. We, we've all been there. We put our trust in things that claim to, to, to make these great, great claims. And we put our trust in those. And then later we're just sitting there going, mm, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I, I just read something um, in an article that said um, a majority of people will actually lie about whether or not they had a good time on their vacation. That was pretty funny. So what they do is they come back and say, hey, how was your vacation? Because they know they have this guilt that they've spent all this money on the vacation. And, and, and you know, the, the, they'll say, oh, yeah, it was wonderful. Even if it was raining the whole week, even if they sat through a hurricane on their vacation, they will say they had a great time because they want to give the impression that they had a great time because they spent all this money and they, and, and they don't want people to believe otherwise. I mean, listen, some of those things just don't deliver like they promised. And so Jesus comes and he gives us the truth. And so Jesus answers them and gives in Luke five thirty one and 32, Jesus answers them. He says, listen, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And we're all sickos. We are. Yes, we are sickos. We are sick people. We need a doctor. And so Jesus, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, who think they have it all together, who think that they are religious, but those who know what? That they're sinners and need to do what? Repent and make a U-turn. Those are the people that, the ones that actually admit that they are sinners and have embraced the truth that I've come for that. That's what changes your life around. We just walk in denial, don't we? That's just not a river in Egypt. We we just, listen, 
We live our lives so much in denial, not embracing the truth of who we are. That's where the freedom starts when you embrace. That's not God's way of just beating you up and making you feel like a terrible person. Jesus, when that truth gets revealed in your heart that you've fallen short of me, that's when the U-turn in your life changes. That's when your mind opens up. That's when you begin to embrace the things of God. That's where God begins to change the way you look at the world. And that's where freedom comes. Here's the problem. If Jesus just came full of grace and didn't deal with our root issue, we're not getting to the root of the problem. And that's the problem of all the things we hear in our world today is that we're just trying to put, you know, I say this all the time, it's just like trying to put Febreze on a dirty carpet. You may spray the Febreze on the dirty carpet, right? I love those commercials, but guess what? Underneath that, it's still nasty, right? You may have made it smell better, but it's still dirty. There's still something filthy about it. It's got to be cleaned. And Jesus came to deal with the filth of our sin and to change us. And so he goes, when someone recognizes that they need a doctor, it changes. And that's why Jesus came. Those are the people he came to set free. Nothing in this world can do that. No amount of education, wealth can fix the problem of sin. So Jesus came full of grace and truth. The grace we don't deserve and the truth to set us free. And, and this is where we need to get it. This is where, where this will change everything about your life and your understanding of Jesus. So, so I want you to think for a moment. Jesus calls us sinners and sick people. <laughs> That's who he calls us. That's who he came for. Our biggest problem is sin. Our hardest problem is we don't want to admit it. That's our biggest roadblock. So we can easily ignore the warning signs. We can see that we've fallen short. Jesus tells us the truth. But the hard part is admitting that we need help. That's the hard part. When you've fallen and you've made a mistake, the hardest part is to admit, man, I've made a mistake here and I've fallen and, and I, I need help. Um, it's, it's, it's easy to ignore the warning signs. Jesus made it very clear on who he came for. See, you, you, may, you, you may be feeling some chest pains and you're starting hurting and you may say, well, it's just, it's nothing. It's the, it's the pepperoni pizza I ate. I had one too many slices, Right. And I'm feeling a little, maybe it's just heartburn. But then, then you know you've got some complications with your heart. And you're thinking, man, is this heartburn? Or I'm having, compl- I'll, I'll just, I'll wait a minute. You know, I'll wait till I feel later. How many, you know, how many know that if you wait a little bit longer, it, it may be too late? You know, and, and so you're feeling, and all of a sudden your wife's like, hey, you better get in. You better go. Don't, don't, don't overlook this. And all of a sudden you go in, you get an angiogram or something checked, and there's like 90% blockage. And you're already in the doctor says, listen, if you would have waited or you did anything else, it would probably have been too late. There was warning signs that something was wrong with your heart. See, the best thing Jesus could have ever done for us was to give us the truth about our spiritual condition. It's the best thing he could have ever done for us. 
See, if he would have come and said, oh, you're, you're okay, you're partially okay, you guys are good, it's all right, you know. No, he, he gave us the truth of our spiritual condition so our lives could change and we could have a U-turn in our life. Jesus does that because he loves us. He knows that sin leads to destruction and, and death. You know, if you, if you see your child running out into a busy street, are you going to sit there and say, well, whatever you want to do. You know, can I just tell you, whatever's right for you, follow your heart. What is your, what is your heart tell you to do? See, Jesus didn't say that to us because he knows the proclaim of our heart is not to do the right thing. Jeremiah said, our heart is deceitful above all things. Who can discern it? Who can trust it? So if, if you've got a child and they're getting ready to run out into a busy street, what are you going to do? You're going to grab them and tell them the truth. If you run out there, you're going to get hit by a car. You're not concerned about their feelings and about you know, moral relativism and what's right for them. You're going to bring them the truth because it leads, their thinking could lead to what? Destruction. See, Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission to rescue us. Not to give us some cute saying to help us become self-improved or better me. The truth about ourselves isn't good and it's not supposed to be good. Jesus gave his life for our sin. And this is what makes God's grace so incredible. Because if, if I don't get a clear understanding of who I am then I, don't, I will never have a clear understanding of the magnitude and the power of God's grace. So when I understand that I'm a sinner and I've, I've fallen short of God's perfection, and I understand that Jesus came for sinners, not righteous people, then I can see how great, because now I see I don't deserve anything that God gives me now. Now this, this is where the U-turn starts to take shape, because now I start thinking, wait a minute, I don't deserve anything now. I, did, I deserve death. And so now we understand, now God's grace becomes much more beautiful. His grace becomes much more attractive and much more accepting. Because if I think I'm a righteous person, or if I think I bring anything to the table to God, we lose. If, if I think that I bring some of my goodness, God brings some of his goodness, and we can, let's make a wager, let's make a deal, you know, Jesus, you know, a kind of a partial half agreement here. No. We bring nothing to the table, which is actually good news. It's good news for messed up people like you and me. And that's going to make God's grace seem so much more attractive to us. So here it is. God, God doesn't base his love for us based on our performance, but through his grace. Aren't you glad there's no SAT test for entrance into heaven? I would not make it. I am terrible at standardized testing. I, I panicked when I had to take, um, when there was like a time limit because it would take me longer to figure out problems. And um, I just did not do well on standardized testing. Some of you done real well and goody, goody, goody gumdrops for you, okay? We all love you, okay? Don't tell me you got a 14 or 1500 on your SATs. I don't care, okay? I really don't. No, I'm just teasing. Good for you. Good for you. Um, thank God there's no, you know, thank God there's no multiple choice tests that get you into heaven, right? And your interest in the heaven is not based on your goodness. 
It's totally based on God's grace, completely. And, and, and Paul says it so well, and so many of us know this verse, but in Ephesians, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. See, that's the gospel in its purest form. Jesus came for sinners to give them good news. Good news. Good news to take our sins and our punishment. None of us deserve it. The problem is, we may understand this, but we mess it up. That's the problem. How do we mess it up? How do we, how do we mess up God's grace? Because if, if we can understand our personality, we, we can tend to, if we're not careful, fall into one of two camps when it comes to, to God's grace and truth. Now, I've been passing this church close to 20 years. I've known a lot of you for many years, and I know who the truth people are. And I know who some of the more the grace people are. And let me just say, I love y'all. Brings good balance to our church. I love you. But how many know sometimes we, can we just be honest with ourselves? That we tend to fall into one of those two camps. And we tend to look at the true people and say, well, man, they're too rigid. They need to be more grace-filled. They're so judgmental. And then you got the truth people are like, we need God's they better, they better get God's word. This is the truth that God's word. And if they don't get that, I don't care if I offend everybody. They better know God. This is right. Hallelujah. So if we're honest, we, we, we can tend to fall into one of these two camps. So let, let, let's, let's see where we mess this up. Cause we want to get this right. Okay. We, we, we want to get this right. So here's the thing. We, we can fall into the trap of being truth people with no love. Truth people with no love or grace people with no truth. Okay, so we contend. I'm, I'm going to generalize everybody, but we contend to fall into the trap of being truth people with absolutely no love. And we're just spouting the truth and here it is. And I don't care what anybody thinks and we have no love behind it. Or we can be grace people where we're like, tend to be a lot more accepting and, and maybe not giving the truth or, or feeling intimidated to speak the truth and afraid that people won't like me or, or uh, will they be offended? I, I appreciate what Randy Elkhorn does to explain the dangers of not having both grace and truth. He says, truth without grace breeds self-righteous legalism that poisons the church and pushes the world away from Christ. A lot of people say, amen, right? Here's the balance though. Grace without truth breeds moral indifference and, and keeps people from seeing their need for Christ. Pretty good. Pretty good quote there by Randy Elkhorn. I, I appreciate that. So let me, let me just give you um, a, a truth and grace meter to see maybe where you are. Okay. Let me, let's just do a, can, can we do, you want to do that this morning? A little self-assessment of your life? Cause I, I want to help us here because I want us, listen, I, I think it's fine. If you're more on the truth, I think there's a balance for both sides for the church because we need to kind of balance each other out. That, that's okay. Um, but, but let's find balance here um, so that we don't cause division within the church and become divisive within our relationships. So this is where we need to be careful. So let, let's see where you kind of um, 
this measure here. And I, I've read an interesting article about grace and truth people, and I thought this was really good. So uh, let, me, let me start with um, truth people. Okay, so truth people are, tend to be loyal to things they are passionate about. Okay, I see this a lot. Did I tell you I love you guys? Just want to let you know I love all of you, okay? So truth people are very loyal to things they're passionate about, whatever the cause may be. They're easy to admire and have conviction. They see right from wrong. They want to change those around them and make them see the light. They don't like mistakes. Okay. I see some people nudging each other there. Okay. Uh, They call things for what they are. They like making difficult decisions. They are quick to judge others at times and slow to forgive. They like to confront. They can tend to come across as rigid and judgmental. Okay, so that's kind of an overview of truth people. Here, here are grace people. Let me talk about grace people. Um, grace people are the type of people you like to be around. They are forgiving and tend to cut you slack. Who doesn't like that? They are very welcoming and accepting. Grace people tend to be concerned with how others see them. They are very accepting of others but tend not to push people to where they should be. They don't want to rock the boat. Grace people tend to shy away from difficult decisions. Okay. Where do you fall in there? Where do you, where do you see yourself kind of falling in there? Kevin DeYoung does a great job assessing this. He says, if, if, if you're a grace person, you are, you are most concerned about being loved. If you're a truth person, you're most concerned about being right, even if it means being unloved. Both have their dangers. Something is wrong if everybody hates you, and probably something is just as wrong if everybody loves you. So work it out amongst yourselves, okay? Just take that for what it is and do your best, okay? So so here's... So here, why do we need both? Because we know that Jesus came full of both. Because how many know that Jesus, there's said some things that he was like full of grace and the way he did, dealt with sinners and, you know, ate at the homes of people who were just completely ostracized and seemed like sinners. But then he rocked the boat and gave truth to those who need to hear, to those who thought they were religious, right? I mean, we, we see this even in Jesus' life as we read through the Gospels. So why do we need both truth and grace, and why does Jesus epitomize both of them? Now, I want to ask, ask you a question as we just kind of wrap this up, and, and we, we pray about this, and as we uh, dive into this whole series on, on really finding God's grace and, and making a U-turn in our lives, let me ask you a question. Do good people need grace? No, right? If you're good, you you normally don't need grace if you're a good person, right? So let's understand this. Messy people need grace. People who make mistakes need grace. Every single one of us in this room need grace. There would be no need for God's grace if we were all good. So the truth is, we are. And so we need God's grace. So how do we protect ourselves from swinging too far, maybe in the truth way, which we need the truth, 
and too far in the grace way where we don't recognize the truth. And then we swing over to the grace side where we're not recognizing grace and walking in love either. So how do we protect ourselves from swinging to either one of these pendulums off to one side or off to the other? And let me, let me give you the answer here. Listen, you, we, me, never can stop filtering our life through this beautiful gospel message. And what do I mean by that? We have to consistently remind ourselves where we came from. Now, let me say this. That doesn't mean that we look at our past and it's a chain. Like our, our, our past doesn't dictate our future. We're in Christ. We're a new creation. Praise God. The Bible says um, he changes everything. We become new. God doesn't hold our past over us because of his grace and what he's done for us. Praise God. Thank God. We come to him. We repent. We ask God for forgiveness. He changes us. We're filled with this grace and mercy that he, that he so graciously pours out upon us. But here's what I mean. We, we never can forget. Here's one thing. Let me just give you a little um, preview of what we're going to study this summer. We're going to go through the whole book of Judges this summer. We're going to spend, I think, 12 weeks in Judges. So get ready. So start reading it now. And uh, I want to give you a preview. Here is the problem with Israel and us today. The problem in the book of Judges is that Israel was living during a time where they just forgot about God. They became just like, yeah, God, yeah, whatever. And, and they sinned and they, they turned to these other foreign gods, which they be, it was kind of a blend of worship between God and these other gods. And they just began to sin. And then God would raise up a leader or a judge, remember like Samson. And then God would deliver them from the hands of the enemy, which God caused them to come upon them, to cause them to repent, to turn back to God. And it was just this horrible cycle. And we're going to go through, we're going to go through the judges and how God dealt with this and how God deals with their heart. The one thing they forgot was this. There's a part in Judges where God brings a prophet to them. And the prophet speaks to them. And what he speaks to them is this. He says, don't forget what I did for you in the past. And and what the prophet does through God's word, he reminds Israel that it was God who delivered them through the Red Sea and delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh. What happened to this generation beyond Joshua and Caleb is they just kind of not forgot it, but they just didn't care. And listen, when you stop caring is when your life goes awry. When you forget where God brought you, we're going to go into a bad ditch. And so what I mean by preaching the gospel yourself is, is I want you to look back and remind yourself of the grace that Jesus poured on you. So, so how do we real life pastor? Give me real life, real life example. Okay. So someone irritates you, right? Someone's not moving fast enough in front of you. Somebody irritates you at work. You've got a problem with a family member. Remember where you came from. Remember God's grace that saved you. That doesn't mean you become a doormat or abused. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about how in this situation do I show grace and patience 
I believe when we preach the gospel to ourselves, all of a sudden we do a U-turn from the way we used to think where we would get irritated and we would let that person know and we would ride their bumper and we would beep our horn. I, I'm still working on that, but we would, um, uh, right? And, and see, those are the things that, that you know, we, 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 we've got to think, man, where is God's grace here? Where is God's grace? And when you remember that you're a sinner that's saved by God's grace, it will humble you. And it will bring you into the right mind of how you deal with those who don't deserve it. Remind yourself, did you deserve it? Jesus loved you still. Jesus loves me, this I know. Right? I think we forget about preaching the gospel to ourselves. We want everybody else to hear it, which is good. But we got to preach it to ourselves every single day because our hearts so easily go astray. Easily go astray. And when they go astray, that's when we get judgmental. That's when we get self-righteous. But then we remind ourselves when we come back to the foot of the cross and we realize what Jesus did for us, it changes your attitude. It changes your, you know, your whole um, disposition about that. It causes you to pray for that other person. Man, I want to, let's just be honest with ourselves. I want to get to the point where I complain less and pray more. Can I get an amen there? Let's just do, come on. I, listen, I'm just as bad at that. I'd love to complain. You know, I, I have the gift of complaining. You know, I wish that was a spiritual gift because I would be great at that, right? And, and I, that's where grace comes in. That I learn to pray, I learn to forgive, and I'll let the gospel flow over my life again. And you know what it ends up doing? It sets you free. It takes the weight of condemnation and guilt and bitterness off our heart when we experience that grace all over again. So what grace does is grace is allowing yourself to become poorer so that someone else can become richer. It's allowing yourself to become poor and realize that I've got nothing to bring to the table and I want to make someone richer. And this goes perfectly in line with 2 Corinthians 8, 9, where Paul says, you know, he's speaking to them. He's saying, hey, 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 church, come on. I told you about this. You guys are missing something here. I told you about God's grace. Let me remind you again. You need to hear the gospel again. Okay, those in Corinth, Corinthian churches, you need to hear this again. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Jesus gave up heaven to give us something we didn't deserve so that we could become rich in Christ Jesus and become co-heirs with him through our faith in him. And so by me walking in grace, and understanding the truth 
of my life and where I am causes me to make other people become rich by the way I humble myself before Christ. So, does that mean we don't speak the truth in the people's lives? Of course not. Of course not. We need, to, we need to stand for what is right and what is true and to live that out in our lives. But let's do it through the power of the gospel and through humility and love as we reach out to the world. Amen? I think if we can do a better job at preaching the gospel to ourselves, we'll do a much better job speaking the truth to others. That was a good way to end a sermon. That was good. That was good. So let's do that, shall we? So my prayer for this series is that we would um, begin to look, we're going to look at different things in our lives that we need to change the way we're thinking. We need to change the pattern of our thinking. And some of you, you've got some pretty ingrained ways in the way you think, just because how many know the older you get, the more you can get stuck in things or believe things that may not be true. We're going to mess with that a little bit over the next six, seven weeks. Is that okay? All right. So there'll be three people in church next week, but that's okay. Well, we're going to do it. So we're going to, we're going to U-turn our lives here. And, uh, and I believe God's going to do some great works in our hearts. So, um, in my heart too, as we, as we allow God to work in our heart. Amen. I want to pray for you guys this morning as, as we, as I release you into this beautiful spring day and, uh, would you bow your hearts with me and would you just um, pray with me? Um, some of you, I don't want to make light of this. Um, some of you are really struggling with some things today and you may be really struggling with some relationship issues and um, some of you may be struggling with forgiveness today. I don't want to make light of any of that. Um, I want the Lord to speak to your heart in those areas. If anybody tells you that being a Christian is easy, they're crazy. It's not easy. And the things that happen to us in the world are not easy. And people do things that aren't right. And we do things that aren't right. That's why we need God's grace. And so my prayer for you today as I pray for you is that you would get a sense of God's grace in your life today. And that God would give you wisdom to deal with the situations that you're dealing with. And I know there's not, there's not for some situations, there's just not um, easy answers. Um, but we do know that we can come to the Lord and that he can change our hearts so that we can see through the perspective of God's eyes. So when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Continually reaching out through his love, and by speaking the truth so that man could be set free. People need to be set free. They're lost without Christ. So Father God, we come before you and I pray for everyone here today that just is struggling. I pray for those that are struggling to receive your grace because maybe they just feel like their life was too messed up or made too many mistakes. I thank you that your grace is greater. I pray for um, those that are just struggling with relationships and offering that grace. That doesn't mean that it whitewashes things or it makes 
a wrong thing necessarily right. Um, but God, I pray that you would allow us to see through your eyes, not to allow the bitterness uh, to be a chain to our hearts, that God, we would be the people that are saved by your grace, that would live by your grace, that would show grace as we walk in your truth, God. Fill us with your love as we walk in your truth. Lord, help us to just come back to that simple gospel message that Jesus came for sick people. And I don't deserve your grace, God. And I don't deserve your love. And that family member, what they did doesn't deserve my forgiveness or my grace. But God, help me to show it. Let me come back to the reality of what the cross means and what you did for me. And help me to take those steps towards the cross and not back into my selfishness or my bitterness. Help me to do that U-turn in my life that I need. Let your grace help me to make the change that I need to make today. And may I take the steps forward, as hard as they may be, may I take the steps forward to obey you. And when we do that, we will sense and know your freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for being brutally honest with me. And thank you for completely loving me. We're so, we're, we are so thankful for your grace today. So change us by that grace as we live it out in our lives. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.